Remember the Arab Spring? You might not, but it was a pretty big deal. It was 2010, and something was happening in the world of the Middle East and Northern Africa. All across those countries, there were huge demonstrations. People all coming together, all to protest government corruption, oppression, and the autocratic rules of many of the regimes. There was a hopeful, fresh, and youthful feeling to the whole thing in the early days. What an inspiring story. All these people willing to go out and put it on the line, hoping for a better life. And one of the things that made it feel really new and unique was the role that a newer technology played in the whole thing. Social media was right at the center, enabling people to inform each other, plan, and organize it at an astonishing speed, often in real time, as events were unfolding. The speed and reach of it seemed to promise a whole new dynamic for positive social change. Maybe, just by connecting people, tyranny could be brought down. And of course, powerful things did happen. Governments fell, civil wars began, in some places concessions were made by ruling parties, and in others, power changed hands several times. And through it all, social media was hailed as a driving power behind the changes. And of course, in a sense, it was. It was like people woke up and realized that we had something new on our hands. Now, the masses had some real power. There's another perspective on this, of course. Others have said that while social media's impact on those events was undeniable, the extent to which it actually empowered ordinary people to affect real change in any positive direction is very debatable, to say the least. Many people who actually lived through and participated in the Arab Spring have pointed out these exact things, sometimes in heartbreaking detail. Regardless, the events of 2010 and 2011 left a permanent mark on the way we think about current events, social action, and societal change. Social media is here to stay. And ever since those balmy days in the Middle East, most people take it for granted that if you want to change the world, it's going to happen through Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you want a voice that matters, if you really care about making the world a better place, you really don't have a choice. You've got to post. That's the only real way to make your voice heard. And making your voice heard is what fighting for change is all about. Not to post is not to care. Silence itself is a form of speech. It might even be violence. Okay, so that's what people are saying. But how are Christians actually supposed to think about all this? Does loving our neighbor and the obligation to do good for people demand that we post on social media? Are we obligated to lend our voices to every cause that comes along? And are we obligated to join in through social media specifically? Welcome to the Christian and Social Media, a conversational series brought to you through the brand new Philly Young Adults podcast. The more we feed ourselves on quick sound bites and slogans and, and images, the less we're able to tolerate real discussions about things that matter. Paul was focused on affecting the lives of individuals. That started affecting the culture. And I think the gospel works kind of in an opposite way from the mob mentality. Jesus calls individuals and he joins them to his family. He doesn't just sweep them into a huge movement. Well, glad you're here with us again. Uh, my name is Tony here with Brian Sama and Josh in the studio at Calvary Chapel of Philadelphia. Um, if you've been listening, you know that we are talking about the Christian and 
what our interaction with social media as such should be. And today, we're going to talk about social media and current events, or you could say social media and social action and how those two things actually uh, affect each other. Yeah, so here's a really different issue when it comes to social media than the other kinds of things we've been discussing. But it's become increasingly important over the last few years for a Christian to get up to speed on on it all, if for no other reason than that social media has really transformed into a place, maybe the place, you know, at least one of the first places that people go when they think of trying to affect social change or take some kind of social action. Yeah, so obviously we've seen social media tied to big issues in our world uh, recently, specifically uh, racism in our culture and people after the events of George Floyd addressing that on social media and and trying to uh, act in response to that. Yeah, and a lot of us has felt that pressure or the need to join in in relation to social media and how to respond in that. I think it's because of those two things. It's it's not as if difficult issues haven't been being hashed out for generations. It's just that in the age that we're in with this platform and something like the summer of 2020, you just see that those issues can be amplified Mm -hmm. and placed in front of you in a much quicker uh, and much more uh, prevalent way. And so because of that, we think it's worth talking about. We think this is worth taking the time to sort of decide is the interaction social media has with these things that are happening in our world. Is that positive? Is it negative? Is it both? So we're going to go for both sides. So why don't we start with discussing the strengths of social media uh, that work for change first? So, okay, the first one that comes to mind, I think, is just how fast it works. The speed that information can travel at on social media. It's really, uh, maybe maybe I'm just unaware of history, but as far as I know, it's really un like anything else that we've ever had in terms of spreading information quickly. Can I ask you a question, Brian? What, uh, can you think of any specific really serious issue that made it might've taken place in the culture pre social media and how that, um, information traveled in comparison to say something like the summer of 2020? Uh, well, even if there's no specific thing, I mean, think about like something like the American revolution. He they was were there clearly, for that. yeah. I remember <laughs> the American Revolution. Tell us more. Thank you for your service. <laughs> George Washington was starting all the hashtags. We, you think they had like information traveled as fast as a horse? Yeah. So they got the revolution done, but I just wonder how different would have been if mm. the whole populace could have known what was happening in all, you mm. know, say thirteen colonies. Mm. Uh, instantaneously yeah i don't know i don't know what direction that would have taken but it certainly would have been different yeah there's a battle if it happened in massachusetts you might not know about it for days Mm -hmm. yeah so it's different yeah so it's good at raising awareness like we're talking about uh with the revolutionary war like you would have found out something really quickly if you had social media Uh, i think a good example of this for me is i was talking to a friend uh, during the shutdown and the height of the shutdown and the quarantine. And he was just really burdened, like many of us have been, for the things happening in our world. And the Lord really put it on his heart to just start sharing his faith with people. And one way he thought of maybe trying to do that was by hopping on Facebook. And he 
admitted to me, he's like, I'm not a big time social media user, but I thought this could be a way like we're talking about to quickly reach some people and try to gather together. And his idea was, I just want to pray with some people. So he posted on Facebook, Hey, tomorrow, meet me at this field at this time. If you're just like me and you're burdened for our country. And he's told me like a bunch of people showed up and he set up a microphone. And like he said, if you want to pray, like you can come up and pray and do that. And I just thought that was like a really great positive example of how news travels fast and mm-hmm. it can end up in a, like a really positive movement where something real is happening. Yeah. 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 I think that's good. Another thing that we're going to put under strengths is it's good at stirring up strong feelings. And the reason why I think we slid that under the strengths category is there are some things that should make people have strong feelings. I don't think that we should just move into a state of numbness just because evil is being perpetuated at a rate we can't even keep up with. I don't think that means that we should all of a sudden fall into like, well, you know, another weekend in the city, a bunch of people got shot, someone's building or someone's house got burned down and like, whatever, like what's the, what are the Eagles going to do tomorrow? Like that's, that's what the news has done is it gives you so much. Um, but in such a specific way in like a snapshot headline type vibe, now you have people posting, uh, videos or long accounts or photos of things that uh, are just disturbing. And I think that those things can stir up strong feelings, which is, it. I will say, it could be a strength if we find ourselves in the category of like, well, someone being killed or a wildfire over here, like doesn't, I don't even care about that. Like, what does that have to do with Yeah, some things probably should outrage a society because anyone of goodwill should be angry that something happened in on their watch, so to speak. So, yeah. It also can, you know, gather a bunch of individuals or small, smaller voices together to unite, to be one larger or louder voice. Yeah, there's an amplifying effect yeah. that it can have, absolutely. I almost feel like you could do the same example as the with the speed thing. Like, imagine if you could have had all of the people that were in the revolution just as one very quickly like just one voice one unified thing but it it was like pockets of people in different yeah. places all trying to do their thing but like what if they were all together if at the once? king of england had that yeah in on his twitter account all yeah. those people <laughs> hashtag revolt <laughs> like what like what that would have been cool like if that could happen and it can also like give a a, a voice to those who are like shut out or kind of on the outskirts of what is understood or known. Um, but the things that are shut out by the quote unquote gatekeepers of social media, online, around us, in the world, society, culture. Yeah, um, maybe, uh, you know, back in the day, the big three networks would have never granted you an interview to get your message out. But yeah. you can be, you know, an average person who somehow you know, goes viral with something that's important. And how many of us now are looking to those people Mm -hmm. to be informed rather than some of the, you know, the big time. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Dude, I know. Yeah. It's, it's like you talk to people and nobody wants to watch network. NBC nightly news. No, Mm -hmm. they're they're like, well, did you, did you read, you know, this website or go on this person's Twitter account Mm -hmm. or what did this, what did this person post or say? Like, I trust that over, you know, what the news would bring you because those people allegedly are there 
taking photos and videos and then writing what they see. You know, Tony, we were talking earlier just in the last couple months, we've seen it's a little unclear. Will the large social media companies themselves become gatekeepers? We're all familiar with stories of oh my gosh. Uh, the, the actual corporation censoring. Yep. Voices. I'm not saying you know whether they should or shouldn't in every situation. I'm just saying it's interesting that even they might become gatekeepers. It would be. I don't know what we would do at that point. We're sort of addicted to the idea that our voice can go viral, but uh, it does have that power to to take a small voice and and make it a even if it even before it joins with others to let it be large. Yeah. Do you think I'm kind of just kicking it around? There's any kind of connection to like once you are viewed as the power that is in order to communicate information that is when you begin to want to exercise censorship so you have the you know the big three news networks growing and growing and growing and suddenly it's like they're controlling everything then you have social media which feels grassroots growing and growing and growing that now seemingly is the main source and now they're starting to do some sort of gatekeeper activity do you feel like there's almost this sense of like well now that we have your attention let's form your attention I mean, probably it's kind of like when the revolution starts with a bunch of people who have nothing and when they become the ones in power, now they're going to protect power, which is the classic story of all revolutions. Let me just throw this out there, too. You know, because we're Americans, we tend to think that more voices always leads to good. Right. Our whole government is based on the idea that if the most people vote in a certain direction, they will end up doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so we're wired to see social media as a good thing. If it connects people and amplifies the common voice, only good can come of it because the more people you have involved, the more good will happen. Mm. But the Bible actually paints a really different view Mm -hmm. of human nature so true if you get a lot of people who are messed up by sin together all you have is more people messed up by sin of course large groups of people can do great powerful things but just simply multiplying the numbers of people does not Mm -hmm. multiply good in fact it tends to multiply evil because now you have more flawed messed up sinful human beings i'm including myself in that right it doesn't it's it's, god has other means for making large groups of people work for good in the world but they have everything to do with being connected in a living way to jesus christ Mm -hmm. the american idea is that the majority is always going to be right but that's just biblically not the case and so all you might do is get more of the same i feel like the biblical idea is the majority gives you the tower of babel that would actually exactly be the biblical idea yes that's (laughs) i think that's the right and so there's the bible's comment on when everyone gets together yeah it's interesting that the tower of babel is still very much a live um metaphor in our culture people know what that refers to which is weird because they know almost none of the bible but i think that's because our culture has so much tower of babel in it if we can all just get together yeah it's going to be okay and the bible right at the beginning of it has a story that says Actually, that's not a sound idea. It's not only is everything going to be okay, it's finally we're going to be able to come together as one collective to come against the oppressive deity. And transcend. Yeah, yeah. And live in the heavens and, yeah, the golden age. Which feels like a okay transition to start talking about the weaknesses of social media (laughs) connected to social change. It started off as strengths and we started uh, spitballing and it got negative. So what do you got for weaknesses starting this off? Well, obviously, this has been a podcast that has been very critical of social media and a lot of its impact. So as we're getting into this aspect of social media, 
of course, we can acknowledge, like we just did for a few minutes, that social media has some things about it that are really unique and powerful, right? If the goal is only to inform or only disturb strong feelings or only get a, get the word out, then I think we all have to admit that social media does that mm-hmm. because information and emotions move really fast over social media. And like Josh's point, if something is intrinsically a good thing, if you want to get your neighborhood together to pray, social media can be a, a quick way to do that, whereas you might not be able to organize a prayer meeting in 24 hours without social media. Absolutely. But I do think as Christians that we're called to think more than just about spreading information, right? And maybe this really actually does connect to what Josh was saying, because we're called to think about spreading a particular kind of information. So when we want to spread that particular kind of information, we ask if the environment makes sense for that information. And we're looking for a particular fruit, right? We're looking for a particular set of responses and effects from our lives. So we're going to ask ourselves, is social media the kind of thing that bears this kind of fruit? Those are the kinds of questions we want to grapple with thinking critically about social media. So let's get into specific weaknesses of social media for addressing the kinds of things a Christian needs to be concerned with. Uh, The first one is social media privileges the image over the word. So Brian, why don't you help us out? What do we mean when we say that? Yeah. So we're not saying that there aren't any words on social media. Of course, in a lot of videos people share, they're saying words and, right, obviously. And a lot of people post long explanations with their images or even, you know, you see people take screenshots of typed out messages and, and post that and things like that. The word does find its way into social media words. We're just saying that what it's actually designed to do and the way it works most powerfully is by sharing images. On social media, the word really takes a backseat to the image, And we've talked about this before, the fact that the Bible was given to us as words and not images should tell us something. God wants to use words, I would say primarily, to communicate. Yeah, something about the written word evidently serves God's purposes better than an image. The gospel is given to us in words and we spread it with words, like it Except for, I guess, like children's Bibles is interesting. It's not a picture book. Like, it's not images and words. And children's Bibles aren't inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. Right. <laughs> so even though I Even though I have they're cute. Few. You know, we sort of kick this around. People could say, well, it's both. Social media has both. But right. you're kind of like, yes, but the way God communicated was specifically through writing things down that we would have to read and think and pray over. Right. And the reason that he used words, I may have even said this in a past episode, you know, the reason the Bible's written in words is not because video wasn't invented when Jesus came. It's because words are what God prefers. So to the extent that Christians are focused on getting God's message out, they're going to be people who major on words and use words even more than they use images. It's just the way God set things up. And if that's true, Brian, now that we know your stance on children's Bibles, <laughs> uh, I like would you say that social media actually works against, maybe in some ways, the spread of the gospel? Well, you're hearing me push in that direction, right? I, that, I acknowledge that's a pretty strong statement. And sure, again, that's why we started off the way we did. God can use social media, right? And does God use social media? Well, I think we'd have to say that, of course, sometimes he does. Uh, Not to skew it too far, but God can do all kinds of miracles. You know, to me, (laughs) 
<laughs> that doesn't tell me what I should be doing necessarily. Again, there probably are people who need to be on social media. We've said that. But, you know, personally, I want to invest my time and energy into the things that are best set up to get God's work done. I mean, I just thought about this now, but it's almost like, you know, your miracle push. Can God physically heal somebody? 100%. Absolutely. No question. Do I spend every waking moment of my Christian life doing anything that I think I should do in order to get him to do that because I think that's the only thing he's supposed to do. No. You find the balance in between. And I think part of what we're saying is, yeah, he can totally use social media, but it feels sometimes, especially in 2020, that people are saying that's the only place he's going to be using and doing miraculous things. And we're saying absolutely not. Yeah, there's an emphasis on it. And at very at the very least, that's a good point. The emphasis should probably be questioned. So the next item on our list goes with that idea, sort of. Social media tends to eliminate careful discussion, thinking, or reasoning. Well, you know, like, yeah. Got a him. lot of people <laughs> don't think about that, you know. But careful thinking is necessary for real belief in the gospel to really have your own personal walk in pursuit of God. Like, it's not just like you're convinced on a whim. You don't hear that a lot, right? Careful thinking is necessary to really follow Jesus. No, you don't. You're saying that. and I'm thinking I don't often hear that. You know, you can get saved in a moment. You can hear the message of Jesus in just a couple seconds. You can believe it and you can get saved, right? Uh, but because social media is built more to spread images and because the kind of dialogue on social media is usually not actually deep, no offense to anyone, or long enough for any kind of serious reasoning or discussion, I mean, I think here it is. It really, in that sense, it can work against the spread of biblical truth if that's what's taken over and that's what everyone is obsessed with, right? The more we feed ourselves on quick sound bites and slogans and, and images, the less we're able to tolerate real discussions about things that matter, especially things that are, that are eternal, that Christians have to deal with, and things that are so, so opposite to the way most people think that they require a lot of explanation, which is, is getting at kind of what Sama was saying. And the Christian message is full of those things. So, you know, just the concept of sin is really alien to people. I actually think that in our day and age, and I'm sure everyone listening to this can attest to this, you try to talk to someone about sin, if they're willing to listen to you and not freak out at you for saying it, you actually have to do a lot of explaining just to explain to them what sin is. I'm not saying that you don't run into people who don't have an innate sense that they have sin. There are those people out there, but often it's almost a confusing idea to people. So, and that's a major concept in the Christian message. And I'm just saying that that kind of discussion doesn't usually live very well in the social media arena. I heard someone say recently on that topic is not, not being aware of your sin nature as far as sharing the gospel that, and I never heard someone put it this way before, I guess it makes sense for the people that feel they are not sinful or like I'm relatively good, those are the people you give the law as a way maybe to mm. show conviction. The people that do have a awareness or are willing to acknowledge I, yeah, I have a sin nature. Those are the people you give grace to mm -hmm. initially. I never heard that approach, but it makes sense. Sure. Sort of yeah. sharing faith. 
And I don't think you can do either one in 140 characters or less. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> that's that. That's like the point that there's more than one. Like sin is just like probably the low hanging fruit option. There's more than one of those things in our following of Jesus that is important to try to communicate to the unbelieving world or even just to each other to edify and build ourselves up. And you can't do that without careful discussion, thinking a lot of words back and forth. Like I almost feel like people are afraid to say that, that they're afraid to be like, it takes a lot of mental work to sort of expound and be edified with some of these things because you don't want to make your faith, I guess, like purely academic. But then you have the social media generation that's like, okay, great. I'll just throw up like hashtag blessed when I'm sitting here with my, you know, Psalm 23 Diva open on my desk. And like, that means I'm building somebody else up. You're not, you're not doing anything. Being able to communicate those things with discussion and actual careful thought is, I think, part of following Jesus. It's not wrong, I guess is what I'm saying. And it's almost like individualistic or like selfish even sometimes to like attribute more than that that's actually there you know that like yeah oh i can do this on social media or i can portray this when, when that's not the reality whole truth. that's yeah. it's not complete you know hmm. another one another list on the weaknesses social media is completely overrun by all kinds of sin so therefore the environment is poisoned and i mean christians they want to see good things happen but the question is are we supposed to use something that's so full of sin you know to make those good things happen or can uh the good come through a conduit that is so polluted in a sense yeah and again we're, we're trying to say over and over again we're not saying it's impossible we're not saying we don't know of people that are doing it and and as we keep saying our, our last episode is going to be dedicated to some of those things but still though when all of us as individuals are thinking about should i just be posting and do, it's really such a mixed bag you know just pick one issue uh christians want to see less objectification of women we want to see women used as objects less yes but social media literally majors on that point. Half of what it is is the objectification of women. So just to take that issue, are we going to say that social media is the best way to bring change in that area? I think the well is poisoned. And I don't think that's the only issue where that's true, right? What about some of the big issues we're facing right now in 2020? Are there real problems with society? Of course there are. Is social media the best way to change it? Will hashtags and posts really do it? Well, here we go. It may raise awareness, right? It might spread information fast or stir up emotion. It could even spark marches. But will it bring change? Mm -hmm. You know, someone might not agree with me on this point, but let me just throw out a, an image. If you need to build a new house, should you use fire? Well, fire can change a house real fast, right? It's really good at at least one part of what we need to do. <laughs> which is to sweep away the old. But fire can't accomplish the goal, which is not just to get rid of the old house, but to build a new one. And I think social media is kind of like that. It has no power to build. It has no power to build what really needs to be built. You know, so we're Christians. 
it's, it's not social media. Social media is not the gospel. Christ is the gospel. And if you say, right, right, I'm going to spread the gospel of Christ over social media. I mean, great, right? Maybe God will work that miracle. He does sometimes and use a bad medium to spread the good news. It, it can happen. But then it's the gospel bringing the change. It's not social media. And there are people in our world who think that social media is the answer. But even those of us who are the best intentioned, if it's just social media plus social issues, you know, I don't know. I just say, just look around. I think it's all fire. It's not building God's kingdom. It's not pulling men and women out of darkness and into the light. It's not eternal at all. It's just what 2020 has been. I think this, what we're seeing in front of us, this is what social media actually can do. We just wanted to take a second to invite any and all young adults 18 to 29 years old out to our conference this year. We will be meeting at Calvary Chapel of Philadelphia on November 13th and 14th. There's going to be serious instruction in God's word, times of worship, and plenty of space for fellowship. This is our third year doing the conference, and we are excited to be exploring the Old Testament this time around with Dr. Dominic Hernandez, who is the Assistant Professor of Old Testament Interpretation at Southern Seminary. You can get more information and register today at PYAC20.com. That's PYAC20.com. If you have any questions, you can email ebrown at ccphilly.org. That's E-B-R-O-W-N at ccphilly.org. But for now, let's get back to the discussion. At the time this is being recorded, we just met for the first time as a group for our young adults back since quarantine and we had Brian do a study through a couple of verses in Psalm 1 and I just wanted to read um, verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 1 and said blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night and I just think that your point is well taken what we are fed is the only way and the best way to reach anyone is via social media. But I think it's really important that we sort of divide out that that narrative did not come from God. That narrative did not come from the Bible. That narrative didn't come from Paul, John, anybody who you would try to say like, well, they would do this, they would do that. I just think that that's totally false. The narrative came from social media. And the secular world that has been like, well, we're all on here. So if you want to talk the to corporations us. corporations that run social media. We yeah. shouldn't forget it's a business. Please. Yes. And that is the counsel of the ungodly. The counsel of the ungodly is use this platform if you want to get your message across. That's what we are all told. If Mark you, Zuckerberg wants you to use Facebook for everything. Everything. And then as Christians, I feel like we just ate that up and we were like, oh, yes. But can we just like take a step back, acknowledge the pollution and the wickedness in what's happening there in general and just say, they told us this was the best thing to do and they are not people who follow God. So why would I listen? I think that leads to another of our items. Social media tends towards mob mentality. Yeah, I think a lot of us feel how easy it is to get swept up in things when they're taking over social media. And again, we've talked about this earlier when things that just affect all of us going on in our culture, 
I've been recently reading through the book of Acts, and it made me think about this in regards to having a mob mentality and how, obviously, we said earlier, like you were saying, Brian, how if you get a bunch of people who are maybe ungodly or just looking for something to happen, it may just tend toward more disorder or more violence. And in Acts chapter 19, you see Paul arrives in Ephesus, and it says there right in the beginning of 19 that he he found some of the disciples there, and he, he prayed with them, and the Spirit fell on them, and I think it says there was about 10 or 12 of them. Paul was focused on affecting the lives of individuals, and you see as the chapter goes on that that started affecting the culture, that people, individual people's lives, souls were being changed. It says that people started like burning their witchcraft books. Mm-hmm. And then this yes. created an uprising because the people against who, it. Yes. Against it because the idol business was in danger. Right. Because people were stopping <laughs> uh, buying idols. Not my money. Yeah. So <laughs> yep. now so now I mean that's the kind of mob we want to see in our world, right? One that's stirring up in response to something godly happening. But the one thing that um, I read and I was like, man, this sounds a lot like what we see in our culture today is in that chapter, in Acts chapter 19 and verse 32, it says, in response to what was going on to Paul, just like really, and the gospel, I should say, changing the culture, it says, some of the people who were rising up in response to that they cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused, and most of them did not know why they had come together. That's relevant. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, And I think the gospel works kind of in an opposite way from the mob mentality. Jesus calls individuals, and he joins them to his family. He doesn't just sweep them into a huge movement. Yeah, sometimes we talk about following Jesus as if it's a movement. Yeah, but I don't know that you really see that imagery in Scripture. There's other imagery. He's building a house. He's building a temple. It's a family. It's a marriage. It's something a lot more like what you're talking about, Josh. It's something that has to do with relationships. And maybe that's what we mean when we talk about a personal relationship with Jesus, you know. And you see that individual work in each person come together versus a collective work that we enter into together. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. So the thing that's happening individually in each person comes together and then becomes something that's productive and of God. But what I think the culture does is the opposite. It creates the big thing and then tries to pull everybody into it. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So mobs work on less thinking and more emotion. I feel like that almost sort of ties together the last couple weaknesses, trying to think through things and be more, um, careful with that besides just entering into our emotions jesus works the opposite he's not just stirring up emotion it's it's something he's doing in the individual that draws people together um and social media also privileges the most fired up voices which i don't think is like a stretch at all um i was thinking about this today in matthew chapter 12 verses 14 through 21 it is such an interesting scene. Jesus has just uh, healed a man with a withered hand in the synagogue on Sabbath. And it's the only time, one of the only times I think I might, that might not be true, but he is angry at 
the religious leaders, it tells us that specifically in Mark chapter three, verse five, same scene. It says, Jesus looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. And then he tells the guy, stretch out your hand. He stretches it out and he was healed in response to that scene. Here's Matthew 12 verses 14 through 21. But the Pharisees went out and they conspired against him. The idea is rather than answer his question and their conspiracy against him was how to destroy him. Jesus aware of this. This is so cool withdrew from there and many followed him and he healed them all. And he ordered them not to make him known. This was so in case by the time you get to the verse 16, you're like, man, Jesus is such a wimp. Like, I can't believe it. They said they were going to kill him and he ran. He doesn't engage. He does not engage. They're like, well, you would think maybe he doesn't engage because like they said they were going to kill him and he's God. So he knew that verse 17 totally debunks that it literally says he left in order to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. So here's why he did not engage and he withdrew. Because Isaiah said that this would be true of Jesus. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory and in his name the gentiles will hope and in this whole discussion i've just thought about that so much that jesus withdraws from unnecessary conflict in order to make sure that if there are bruised reeds or any smoldering wick in the crowd that he's not the straw that breaks the camel's back so to say there's somebody amongst the mob that is just like i cannot take the polarization of the left and the right or of this the and of that. Of the intense, like it's just weighing on them so hard that they're this close to snapping, whatever that means. What Isaiah prophesied was, is the one true king who can really bring justice to victory, to use his language. He sees that person and says, because you're there, I'm not going to engage right now. When the truth is he had every right to engage. He healed somebody. He asked them if that was the right thing to do when he was like, listen, if your cow fell over, you'd go pick it up. He, like, And in that moment, he was literally like enraged. And yet he controlled that and left because he was like, that's not going to be helpful for someone who's really burdened by all the things that are happening around us. And Jesus is ever our example. Yeah. Like he is displaying there. He, he had the... Obviously, we know the implications of his life and his mission, but he modeled for us the care for a single soul. You and I were just talking about this earlier today, Tony, how in the world standards, when it comes to social media, you might think the pinnacle is 10,000 people saw my post yeah. or that affected the world. But the the Christian mindset is, is so different, yeah. is that one soul matters, yeah. you know? Uh, and Jesus showed that in that scenario. That Isaiah passage is so big. You know, he doesn't lift up his voice in the street. And some people might think, well, wait a second. He was shouting out to large crowds. He never gathered a crowd with shouting. He, he could do, have. He could have. Absolutely. But he would, just to your point, Josh, he would do something small and merciful and good. And it would be so awesome 
that then people would get together. Yes. Or they would have heard, yesterday he healed a blind man, and so 500 people would go to, to, to yes. try to get close to him, and then he would, he would talk, talk to them. But he was not... He wasn't someone who walked around generating publicity for himself. For him, that was the opposite of the work he was trying to do. And that's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 19, which started the whole uh, rage there. The whole mob thing was the, the Holy Spirit used Paul to deliver a, someone who was demon-possessed. And that became then an opportunity for God's name to be glorified, and people started turning and changing their lives. And when the outrage mob starts, Paul, in the story, it says he wanted to go in and talk to them, and the Christians wouldn't let him. You almost get the sense that we're supposed to see that the Christians who <laughs> wouldn't let Paul go in were the wise ones. They're like, nothing good is going to come from you joining that shouting match in that mob. Uh, we know Paul had the heart of Christ in that, and yeah. also it makes me think of in Second Corinthians chapter 11 there, famously where Paul goes all over all these things he's endured in his ministry. And then the last thing he says is that he was burdened mo most of all, on top of all these things he had to endure, the greatest thing he endured was his burden for the church and people's souls. Mm -hmm. Like that was the thing he was most burdened for. And can social media be, media be a place where you can impact people's souls? Yeah, it could. But is it the best way? I don't know, maybe not. When we start to think more about peace or love or justice or things that God promises to bring, that we need to bring, more than the actual soul of a believer that we're called to minister to. Or a non-believer. Mm -hmm. yeah. People say, Sama, not to cut you off, this is a gospel issue. And there are things in our society what they mean by that is that the gospel of Jesus Christ has something to say about this issue. Yeah. And that is absolutely correct. There are issues that, let's just take one that's not controversial. Hungry people need food. That's a gospel issue in the, in the sense that if you have been changed by the gospel of Jesus, you will care about that hungry person. Yeah. But it's, it's a gospel issue. If I only stir up passion about the issue... And the gospel can't be the center, mm -hmm. then I then I haven't fixed the issue, and often I end up doing more harm. In the eighties, huge concerts to generate food for starving people in other parts of the world. A lot of these things did not achieve their aims and didn't didn't do anything. Right? The Christian goes, it, "This is the gospel's going to fix this." I just think that's so much of the seed imagery in the gospels from jesus himself is important to keep in view when we are saying how do we know if the gospel is at the center of the issue well a lot of times it's dealing with individuals in a slow progression that takes time and that is it may not bring back immediate yield it may not bring back yield for years but it's playing the long game with watering and tending and doing things like that that's how his kingdom will come Right. In God's kingdom, passion does have a real place. Totally. Mm -hmm. You can't be close to God and be bored with God. You can't be part of God's of Christ's kingdom and be blah about Jesus' kingdom. But it's love and passion, here we go again, for God and his glory and Christ and his plans that following Jesus stirs up. Not just any passion for anything, but a specific kind of passion for a specific set of things. And again, 
we see that social media has been good at stirring up passion for other things, but we're after passion for Jesus. And, I, and I'm, I'm at least questioning if social media is built to focus on Jesus. I just think that you need to sit down and slow down and really let the scriptures really guide you here. But I want to offer maybe one pointer for moving forward, right? So the scriptures are clear that Jesus chose not to accomplish any of his work by using the kinds of methods people typically reach for when they really want to bring change to the world. So what do I mean by that? He didn't use what I'll call the big three, power, wealth, beauty. We've already sort of hit on this a little bit today, but I want to crystallize this. He did exercise incredible spiritual power. He did and said, you know, beautiful things. And he lived, at least metaphorically, a rich life, but not in any of the ways that people who want to be influencers typically reach for these things, right? Even the famous prophecy about Jesus in Isaiah 53 is clear that he isn't the kind of person we would be attracted to based on his appearance or anything like that. He chose to be among us in a way that was totally unimpressive in terms of his connections to power or his looks or his finances. And we as Christians need to be people who think about things more like that than the way social media promotes us to think. You know, I think about the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, where Paul is saying that the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. He says, it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the discernment of the discerning I'm going to thwart. And then this is so great. Where is the one who's wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of of the world. And I think when we try to utilize solely, I guess I'll say worldly systems to sort of communicate something, or we think that we need to adapt the way that they accept information or figures, we're saying what Paul just said is not effective. Like, I don't want to look like a fool. I don't want to do something that seemingly is ineffective to the non-believing world around me. Uh, and I just think that ultimately you'll wind up in that second basket of people where he's like, okay, you can utilize what everybody else says is discerning and good debate techniques and wise. He's like, but one day God's going to say, where, where is that? My kingdom's here and those things are gone. So why would we try to use the things that'll be swept away in order to communicate the gospel when Jesus didn't even do that? Hey everyone, Tony here, and I just wanted to drop in to ask if you would do us a favor. We would love if you would send us any questions you have relating to the topic we've been discussing in this series. We plan on recording a live question and response session at one of our young adults meetings here at Calvary Chapel of Philadelphia for this podcast. It will be on a Monday night at 7.30 and we'll be answering the questions you send us. You can follow us on Instagram at Adults for the exact date. We'd love if you'd join us for the gathering. Send your questions to ebrown at ccphilly.org. That's E-B-R-O-W-N at ccphilly.org. We're a new podcast, so it'd be awesome if you subscribe or share this with someone that you think might benefit from hearing it. We would greatly appreciate that. We hope to bring you more content in the future. But for now, let's get back to the discussion. So another part of this, uh, if we're honest, I think 
uh, we should admit we're wrapping up here that social media often makes power and money look like a grassroots movement. Yeah, and another good thing to think about is we talked about earlier how people in our culture have felt this pressure and what voices are we listening to? The culture is saying if you have to post, you have to respond. If you don't, then then you're saying something if you're not posting. But what does the Bible lead me to think? Does Is God requiring mm-hmm. it of me to chime in on social media in in his kingdom do i have to do that that's I would the say question no it, it might seem like that's an extreme question because what we actually seem to be talking about is um are you allowed to yeah. like some old youth group question or something <laughs> but actually josh i think you're right it's not am i allowed to it's must i because the pressure these days often is on the side of you must Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we should at least just acknowledge, wait a second, mm-hmm. how many how many lords do I have? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is Jesus pointing at me and saying, you must post, right? It yeah. goes back to Psalm 1. Yeah. You know, am I listening to the counsel of the ungodly? Am I letting what their priorities are shape my yeah. own personal priorities? You know, it just, you realize if you say these days, maybe you shouldn't, we shouldn't use social media. Some people will immediately say, well, so we just shouldn't do anything? Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. But if you think about those two statements put together, you realize, well, this is weird that everything or something would mean social media yeah. when there's 10,000 other things you might do that have nothing to do with social media, all of which might actually be more productive and more helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And and like we said earlier, social media could be a tool Absolutely. to lead you to doing something that really and the kingdom of God can make change like praying yes, with other believers. Mm. Or even straight up active things. Hey, yeah, we're all getting together right. to hand out the food that we've gathered mm-hmm. for yes. the people in our neighborhood that are needy. Loving, awesome. loving people. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I, I, I think about that and, and kind of come at it from the angle of like, yeah, like we do see social media as that tool. And yes, it's there, but we're establishing the, and understanding that it's not always required. If at all, it's never required. And what we do need to see is that, yes, we do have to care about people around us and love them. You know, we do have to do the things that God calls us to do to help them in all kinds of ways. But social media, the tool that it is and can be, we're not required to use that tool in this way. And I almost wonder if when it becomes a requirement, then it becomes a distraction. I think when it's not a requirement, it's actually very easy to make it not a distraction. When you do look at it truly as a tool, it has its place. You're not afraid of it. You learn how to use it properly, and therefore you apply it. And when you're done that job, you put it away. I'm not sitting around with a miter saw in bed because like, I don't need it then. <laughs> yeah, I already did the work. Nice like, tool reference. Thank you. <laughs> Just did some trim work. That's good. <laughs> Feeling good. So like, maybe the more people use social media actually less things get changed because they're spending their energy on social media instead of on real work. And I would say instead of on God's work, 
I think you can yeah. use social media as a tool to do those things, but when it becomes the, you know, to use Brian, was Brian saying a few minutes ago, the all-encompassing, like, well, if you don't do social media, then I guess that just means you don't do anything. Well, now you're putting so much energy into it, it actually probably makes you useless. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we've all heard this, but maybe people feel like they did something because they posted. And it's not only Christians that say this, right? And then that takes away their itch to act because they posted it. You, you scratch the itch to do something by posting. And I, again, we're not the only people saying this, but maybe we should take posting out of the category of doing anything. I haven't done anything. I just, I hit send or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Uh, and I think that's important to see too, that it, it could work against real positive action. Yeah. And I think that's kind of to jump on that. Like that's something that I think we should at least take the moment to think about is the fact that like, yeah, it is a tool and it's there, but where's that requirement coming from? Why are we even allowing ourselves to feel that requirement to utilize this tool in this way? And so it's kind of like what you're saying, like, no, it's not needed. Why am I trying to use it when it's not needed? Yeah, or it's needed in specific circumstances, so therefore I don't need it in other ones or I don't need it attached to my hip you know yeah so try to wrap it up we know that all christian engagement with social issues must be informed by and shaped by the gospel and god's word mm. so to the extent that social media is an environment which tends to be hostile to those two things i think that's very important to realize social media is hostile to the gospel and it's hostile towards God's word. Therefore, it is not always, we're not saying never, but it's not always an effective method for Christian engagement with social issues. Christians need to be thoughtful and discerning in how and when they use social media to join social movements. We shouldn't just assume that we need to join a movement because it's trending right now. And we shouldn't assume that for things we do actually need to get behind, that social media is the way to do it. In fact, I think we need to be open to really considering that there might be better ways to combat evil in our societies. They might be smaller. They might be less noticed, like we were speaking about Jesus's methods, but they might be more in line with God's ways for combating evil in our society and taking action against everything from injustice to flaws and everything that, that afflicts us as a people. And uh, God will lead us forward in that if we seek his way and not uh, simply assume with the rest of the people in our time that we have it all figured out. Amen. Uh, so good. We are humbled and blessed if you've worked through this journey with us thus far. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us today. Definitely into overtime next week. We're going to do this again. We're going to give you one more episode. It's going to be best practices. Again, we're talking about this as a tool. We're not saying it's 100% useless. I think we're simply just trying to challenge the emphasis that our culture places on it. So next week, if you tune in, we're going to be talking about the best way to use this tool, uh, to honor God, to preserve yourself and uh, just to really preserve your witness. So thanks for hanging. We hope to see you next week on the podcast world. Thanks for listening to the Philly Young Adults podcast. 
If you have any questions or comments about our discussion, please email Brian directly at bweed at ccphilly.org. For more resources and information about our weekly gatherings and yearly conference, visit phillyyoungadults.com.